The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. If you can turn to Genesis chapter 1. Start at the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. So I I come from a, a very diverse family. I have a grandmother who was white, another grandmother who was half Chinese and black, another two grandfathers that were black, all from Jamaica, West Indies. And so I came out looking like I'm Puerto Rican. True story, I grew up in New York. This is Puerto Rican in New York. And so all my life growing up, my father would tell me I was adopted from Puerto Rico. And I knew I wasn't, and I knew he was joking, but he did it all the time. So I figured I'm gonna learn Spanish. So I'm learning Spanish. I preached a sermon in Spanish last week. My teacher actually is from the Maranatha school, uh, Miriam Sullivan. I don't know if she's here. She's gonna be here today. Is she here? Okay, she will be here next service. She's my Spanish teacher, so I'm learning Spanish. Um, and so I was, uh, years ago, I was in Costa Rica for 12 days learning Spanish. I flew down, went to a school for 12 days, immersion, no English for 12 days. It didn't hardly speak anything. Got on a plane and just got off the plane in some country. I didn't know how to speak the language, didn't know anybody, just went there to a place I'd never been and people I never know, knew and, and to learn a language I couldn't speak. And I was there for 12 days, and when I was there, I was uh, talking to my, my Spanish teacher there, the, the, the instructor. I said, how do you say um, girlfriend, novia? Como se dice girlfriend, novia? Everyone say novia. novia. Ends with an A. And how do you say boyfriend, novio? Say oh, novio. Ends with an O. Okay, so novia, novia. I said, and I was, okay, trying to get all these words down. And then, then my teacher says, oh, by the way, there's another term you need to know. I said, what's that? She said, uh, amigo con derechos. I was like, amigo con derechos. I was like, how does that, how's that amigo's friend, cone is with, derecho is right, and izquierda is left. And she said, no, no, a friend with benefits. I'll let that sink in for a while. So, 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 so you, you got your main squeeze, right? Your main squeeze, either your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or your wife or husband. But then you got a little something, something on the side that has benefits. Okay, you, you, you know, the benefit is Tuesday, you get jurisdiction over this. Or Tuesday, Wednesday, you get jurisdiction over all of this. But we're not really together. You're just a friend with a few benefits. Just a few benefits. I'm not committed to you. I'm committed, to, I'm committed over here, theoretically, but you're a friend with benefits. Y'all, y'all, are y'all following what I'm saying right now? It's called a mistress or whatever, or whatever you want to call it, or it or him or her. That's what it is. It's amigo con derechos. We don't have that term in the United States, but it clicked. I was like, oh, snap, I get it. Um, a lot of Christians have an amigo con derechos relationship with Jesus. It's like you, you, he's, he's, he's not your Lord. He's just somebody in your life that you give him a few benefits. You come to church every now and then. You read your Bible every now and then. You give a little tithe, money, but it's not really a tithe. A tithe means 10%. I mean, and sometimes people say, well, people tip God. No, tip is 20%. Tip is even, you give more to the waitress than to God. <laughs> and so God's just like a, a friend with benefits. You know, if I, I pray when I'm in trouble, I pray so I can get help in that moment, but I'm not really committed to him. Now, here's the problem. If you have an amigo con derechos relationship with Jesus, that means you also have an amigo con derechos relationship with the devil. I'm going to propose to you that every single one of us in this room, myself included, we have satanic agreements, contract with the devil, that there are certain areas in our life that we have given him jurisdiction over, and we have agreed to take his advice 
over God's advice. Now, you may be saying, man, you need to take that mess back to the Rock Church. That ain't up in here in Maranatha. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I can take those bullets. Let's go. I'm good. I'm good. But I'm, I'm going to propose to you that every single one of us in this room, you've made agreements with the devil to do things his way instead of God's way. That means you have satanic agreements. And we're going to call it for what it is. It's not a little compromise. Or I'm not a little lukewarm. No, it is, devil, I am listening to you instead of God. Now, so I want, to, I want to talk about that today, and I want to give you the opportunity to understand what it is, and then at the end of the service, we're going to tear these contracts up. Can I get amen? But you first got to believe you got it. Because if you come to church thinking, I ain't that bad, you missed the whole point. Here's the thing. God, one of the benefits and one of the, 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 the ways God's grace is exercised in our life is that he doesn't show you your sin. As a matter of fact, he, what I mean by that is that he kind of lets us walk, all of us, uh, and, and let me preface by saying this. Everything I'm saying to you applies to me. I'm not, you know, the perfect person. I don't want to keep saying that, but I'll just say it one time, blanket. Everything I say from here on in, it also applies to me as well. But God allows us to walk through life thinking we're better than we are. In other words, we're not, we don't have as much sin as we think. You ever, you ever get busted doing something really bad, and then all of a sudden, all this stuff floods on you? Man, I did that bad. I, and you start realizing how much of a turd you are. Can I get amen? Maybe, maybe, maybe that's not you, but that's just on me. And then, then you start to realize, man, I was selfish there too. I was arrogant there too. You mean that offended you when I said that? You mean that's been offending you for 10 years? Uh, fellas, if you're married, how many of y'all married here? Okay, fellas, if you really want to know your stuff, sit your wife down. Say, honey, can you, is there anything that, that I'm doing wrong that... <laughs> See, I can't even finish the sentence. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't finish the sentence. And maybe you have that wife, she tells you that every day. Anyway, you should, you should be thankful that, that you have... And you're here. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to give you the good news, then I'm going to give you the bad news, and then I'm going to give you the good news. Now, the, the, good, the bad news only becomes good news if you accept that it's bad news, and then you accept the remedy. I'm going to say, I'm going to give you the good news. Say amen. amen. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you the bad news, and then I'm going to give you the good news. But the last good news is only good news if you realize that the, the bad news is really bad. But if you deny that the bad news is bad, then it's worse. If you deny that the bad news is bad, then it's worse. Because the alcoholic doesn't believe he's an alcoholic will die. Okay? When I was, when I was, uh, I was playing with the Chargers, I walked into a hotel room my first year, Hanalei Hotel, which is not the Hanalei anymore, but it's right there in the eight, and we walked in with five players and someone put cocaine on, on the table. I never used cocaine. Cocaine to me was like heroin. I was like, that's like, that's destroy your life. And then I did cocaine. And for two years I did cocaine. What, what, it, it was horrible, and then all of a sudden it wasn't horrible. And as soon as I deemed it not horrible, it became even worse. Then I was destroying my life. Luckily, God saved me. And one day I stopped, April 12, 1984, stopped doing cocaine in one day because of Jesus. And so the bad news is only bad is if you, it, it, you, you only get to the good news if the bad news is real to you. Okay, so the good news is that God made you in his image. He made every single one of you in his image through his loving hands that you are marvelous, you are a moral mirror, and we're gonna see all these things about it. Now, once you realize what God made you, and then you're gonna realize that the only way the devil has authority over you is because, I'll tell you in a minute, 
Look at the, look at the Bible. Number one, God made us in his image. Look what it says in, in Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Ladies, that creeps are bugs and dudes. So God created man in his image, and in his image, he created a male and female. Let's pause just for a second there, just in case in our country that has male, female. If you go to the doctor and say, I want to transition to something other, there's only two choices that they have. is male and female, and you can't switch. Male, female. God said it. The CDC doesn't change the word of God. God said it, okay? So male, female. Then God blessed them and God said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, have subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves on earth. So God made you and I in his image. So what does that mean? Because if you don't know what that means, that's the good news, right, by the way. The good news is that we, he made us in his image. We need to know what it means so we can walk in it and understand the authority of our identity. So let's talk about what that means, and then we're going to go to the bad news. Okay, first the good news, what does it mean to be made in God's image? I-M-A-G-E. Everyone say i Everyone say I. I. Let's try this one. Take, take a deep breath in. Say I. I. Take a deep breath in. Say M. A. Take a deep breath in. Say A. a. Take a deep breath in. Say G. G. Take a deep breath in. Say E. G. E. I. Individually unique. Everyone give me your hands like this. Put your hands like just like this. Just right here. Right, right into your chin. And say I am marvelous. <laughs> Every single one of y'all. Say I am marvelous. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 139, 13, 14. For you, for you, God, formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And my soul knows that very well. You've looked in the mirror at some point in your life and said, you are marvelous. <laughs> you are wonderful. And you are. Now, problem is a lot of times we say that in comparison to someone else. This has nothing to do with someone else. It has to do with how God, in his wisdom and his creativity, created you marvelously. Let me take a step back. Some of you may not believe in creation. You may think you evolved, that you are just an accident, a result of random choice. Let me back up. If you blow something up, the big bang, okay, you have to ask yourself, who banged at it? Where did the things that got blowed up come from? And then who organized what happened after the explosion? You never, ever, 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 it is scientifically factual that you cannot have order after an explosion. You would never go to Costco, not uh, uh, Home Depot, that has wood, pipes, electrical uh, wires, fixtures, and just blow it up and all of a sudden get a house in La Jolla. That would never happen. It, you wouldn't even have to do that experiment. They would say you are out of your mind. So to think that just all this blew up and all this order came from nobody is actually unscientific. I'll give you a, give you a very practical uh, example. Ladies, when you wake up in the morning, all this is blowed up. 
Can I get in, man, ladies? I mean, I'm not trying to offend you or nothing. It's just, it's just like, it's just a disaster, right? Stuff is going every which way and stuff is swollen. It's just, it's just not right. You wake up and it's like, it's like the Big Bang. And, 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 and so, can, can, ladies, say amen if I'm, you know what I'm talking about. Amen. You wouldn't go to work like that. You wouldn't go to church. Just wake up and go to church, right? You're like, I, this, this needs work. So you apply heat and you apply creativity and mascara and sprays and lotions and creams and potions and you come out looking beautiful, just like you are now. Can I get, come on, lady, come on now, right? That's creation. And God, not only did he give you the, did he, did he create the potential of beauty, gave you the ability to be creative with it because he made you in his image. Now you might say, well, how can, how can we not talk about the guys? Because we wake up and just go to work. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> just look at dudes walking around, what, really? Did you even wash? Every single one of you, you have your own fingerprint. No one has your fingerprint. No one has your vein pattern in your eye. No one has the vein pattern in your hands and your whole body. Your vein patterns in your whole body are unique to you. Your eye, your retinal scan, when they do a retinal scan, when you, eye identification with your eye, they're looking at your vein pattern, your thumbprint, your fingerprint, your footprint. All throughout your body, there are markers that are only unique to you. Your DNA. You are marvelous. End of story. You also a moral mirror. I am moral mirror. First Peter, first Peter 1.16, be ye holy for I am holy. You and I were set aside as a moral mirror to God. In other words, that means that we have the ability to understand, process, and reflect God's holiness and righteousness through his word. Animals can't do that. The reason when a, when a, and when a lion kills a wildebeest, the reason that's not a crime scene, because there's no moral standard that makes that wrong. It's an instinct. Matter of fact, I, I, I fed lions in Africa. I was in Africa, South Africa, and this guy said, hey, do you want to feed lions? I said, yeah. I'm a risk taker by nature. I just do stuff. I was in Canada, and I was, I, drove, I was going to speak someplace, and I saw these guys jumping out of a plane. I was like, I want to jump out of a plane. So I went up to the guy and said, hey, man, I want to jump out of a plane. He says, give me your money. I'll throw you out. So I said, here's my money. He said, let's go. No lie, I wish I had a chair. He, you know what the practice was? He had me stand on a chair and just do that. That was the practice. Said, that's it? That's it? Then you're going to fall. That's, that's what you want, right? I said, okay. So anyway, so I, I, I ended up parachuting out of the plane, and, and I, I didn't even have a parachute. For real. I didn't have a parachute. I had a Canadian white dude on my back that I did not know who had the parachute. So now I really got fake because I don't even know this dude, right? Anyway, I'm in Africa and I'm feeding the lions with custard. And I'm like, don't they eat meat? And don't they eat this? Yeah, but we'll just give them custard. So I'm surrounded by six full-grown lions. And here's what he told me. You have to look them in the eye. Don't turn your back. Because even though we've raised them, there's still an instinct in them that's animal instinct. I was like, that's really comforting, dude. So I'm literally like, they're going behind me. I'm like, yo, what's up? Trying to make sure that... <laughs> so if they kill each other, it's not a crime scene because there's no morality to them. You and I have been made to understand the word of God, right and wrong. To hear God's voice, to obey God. 
you are a, like a diamond that is designed to reflect the glory of God. You and I don't have any righteousness on our own. No matter how much Bible you learn, no matter how many times you go to church, no matter how, no matter how eloquent your prayers are, you don't have the righteousness. God gives us his righteousness. We're just saying that. How many of y'all got a diamond or anything close, like cubic zirconium or anything that, that's shiny like that? Just raise your hand. Let's put your hand, elbow above your ear just so I can see your hand. Okay, very good. That means the rest of y'all don't have any diamonds? Okay. So here's the deal with a diamond. If you took a diamond and you go to a diamond store and you say, I want to get it, blah, 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 blah. What they do is they have these really nice lights and they put it under the light because the diamond has no glory in it. It has only the ability to reflect the glory. And so the value of the diamond is dependent on how efficient it reflects the light. But if you put the diamond in a dark room, you can't even see it. You and I are the diamond. We don't, you don't have any light. Now, we think we do. We start walking around, yeah, I'm, I'm man, I know this verse, I know this verse. So what? It's not even your verse. <laughs> so we are a moral mirror. God made us to be a moral mirror. Uh, uh, a, God give, has given us the authority to rule. I, we're individually unique. There's nobody like you. God gave you the ability to reflect his glory. And, and then um, you, are, you have been given the authority to rule. Look what it says in Genesis chapter 1, 26. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let, us have dem let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God has given you, as my grandfather from Jamaica would say, authority over environments, not people. As a pastor of a church, and I'll say this to Pastor Daniel, as pastors, we don't have authority over people. We have authority over environments. Our job is to create an environment where you step into the presence of God. God has authority over you. <laughs> when my first daughter was born, um, we have, I have three kids in their 30s, and my first daughter was born, we, we set up a room for her. She had a crib, we put barbed wire around the crib, <laughs> broken glass on the windowsill, you know, smoke bombs and outside in the trees, just so she can have a safe environment. And then by the time you get to the second, third kid, you just throw them outside and they'll, they'll you know, just whatever. <laughs> but our job was to create an environment. When God made the heavens and the earth, when he, he, first six days, he made the heavens and the earth, and then he, said, then he made Adam and Eve and said, take care of it. I already made it right. It works. Don't mess it up. Just make sure it continues to glorify me. That's why we should take care of the earth. God said, I, I've given you authority over environments, not over people. You're not supposed to enslave people, control people, bless people, invest in people. Uh, G, God has made us to be his friend. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his own friends. If you were to go to, uh, needed a heart transplant, a kidney transplant, a, a lung transplant, one of the things they would ask you, tell me about your lifestyle. Do you smoke? Do you take care of your belly? Do you drink alcohol? Because they, they don't want to waste the organ because they're not sitting on shelves. And then one of the questions they'll ask you is, tell me about your support system your relationships, your friends. Because if, you, if you're just by yourself, you're probably going to die. You need people in your life because we were created to have relationship. We were created to live in relationship. What it came when he killed his brother, what was his punishment? He was put in isolation. If you go to prison, I've been in prisons on 20 countries. One, the harshest punishment in prison is isolation. 
We were made for a relationship. God said, I made you in my image so we can have relationship. I want to talk with you, walk with you, help carry your burdens, guide you, direct you, love you, give you vision and clarity about who you are. So God made you unique. You are marvelous. God made you a moral mirror so you can understand his word. God made you, to, and, to, and he wanted to give you authority. He wanted you to be the head, not the tail. And God said, you are my friend. And lastly, God said, I intended this to last forever. You're eternal. You will never die. This will stop functioning, but you will never die. You're either going to be in hell forever, or you're going to be in heaven forever, but you will exist forever. Look what it says. John 14, 1, 3. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you to myself. Where I am, that you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way, you know. I have never, ever been to a funeral, whether I was officiating or not. I've never been to a funeral, whether the people believed in God or not, where they ever didn't say, he's in a better place. They don't even say, yeah, I don't know about Johnny. He's, you know. <laughs> they always very hopefully go, oh, he's in a better place. And I'm like, not Johnny. That brother was a road dog. He's, he's down there. Okay, but I ain't going to say that because I'm ministering today. <laughs> but that brother's down there for sure. <laughs> We know that we're eternal. God put it in us. And so every single one of you is eternal. You're going to face God for sure. And he's just going to ask you one question. What did you do with my son Jesus? I was a, I was a football coach for my son and Pop Warner, and the, and the head coach wasn't a Christian. And, and we're, we were tight, so when I get ready, when I say what I'm getting when I get, when I say what I'm getting ready to say, about what I said to him. It's coming from a place of love to a guy who was like my boy. I wouldn't say this to you because I don't know you, okay? But I may say it in five minutes because I know you a little better. I would say, bro, you're going to go to hell. You need Jesus. Oh, no, no, I'm good. I'm like, no, bro, for real. Every, every day of practice, you, you, you got to get saved. Let's do it right now. No, no, man, no. And he said, listen, and here's what he said to me. Miles, when I die, I'm just going to say I know you. I said, bro, look, here's, here's how that works. You're going to get me in trouble. You're going to snatch me out of heaven, so you better not mention my name. <laughs> Is Jesus your Lord? So, the good news, that's the good news. That's the good news. That good news? All of y'all are marvelous. And God says, I got a plan for you. I'm a, I, I want to use you. I can, you can reflect my glory. I'm going to walk with you forever, and we can do this thing forever. That was Adam and Eve. And then the bad news. Number two, Adam and Eve surrendered their authority through a satanic agreement. The devil cannot harm you, cannot direct your life unless you let him, unless you agree to him. What I mean by that is that God has given all us all authority in heaven and earth. He has the authority. He gave it to us. And God wants to bless you. And God wants to do stuff in your life. And one of the main reasons your life is not blessed to where it could be is because you have made some side agreements with the devil. Look what it says in, 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 in 
Uh, Genesis chapter 3. Now, before I say this, I'm going to tell you, the devil speaks three times in the Bible. Genesis, Job, and the Gospels. The, 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 the devil speaks three times in the Bible. Genesis, Job, and the Gospels. And every time the devil speaks, he's trying to do one thing, is destroy the relationship between man and God. In Genesis, he tries to turn man against God. Adam and Eve, God lied to you. In Job, he tries to turn God against man. And in the, in the Gospels, he tries to turn the God-man, Jesus, against his father. But all he's trying to do is separate you from your father. I was listening to an interview of a pedophile uh, about a month ago, and they said, how do you profile the kids that you're going to take? He goes, oh, no, I profile the parents, mainly the father. And if I notice that the father is not a threat, then I can get the kid. <laughs> Fellas, you need to be a threat. You need to have the potential, at least the thought that you could be violent, 100%. Someone come after your kids, you've got to be able to protect them. That pedophile, that's the devil. The devil says, if I can get you separated from your father in heaven, I can get you. Once I get you on my own, ooh, I'll outthink you day and night. And so here's what happens. Look what happened. Adam and Eve, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? This is the devil talking to Adam and Eve. God has made them in his image. Then it says, the woman said to the serpent, <clears throat> we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden... God has said, you shall not eat, nor shall you touch, lest you die. <sighs> the serpent said to the woman, you will not die. Here it is. God lied to you. Sin's not going to bother you. You can cheat, steal, have sex with whoever you want, and there'll be no consequences. Do drugs all you want, no consequences. Come to church whenever, read your Bible whenever, pray whenever, and God's still going to bless you. That's a lie. And how much of that have you believed? And then it says, look what it says, for God, verse 5, God knows the day you eat, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she gave to her husband, and he ate. The devil's number one weapon is a twofold lie that you can sin and, not, and get away with it with no consequence, and you could be like God. Every single day, every single minute of the day, the devil is trying to convince you that you can do whatever you want to do and have no consequence. And once you agree to any of that, you've just signed a contract. I don't need to bring my Bible to church. Don't raise your hand. Don't comment. Don't move. Don't respond. But how many of y'all, I don't need to bring my Bible. They'll put up on the screen. They put up on the screen for the people who don't know good enough to bring their Bible. But you, I don't need to bring my Bible. I don't need to read my Bible. I don't need to really tithe. No one's really checking. I don't really, really need to serve. All those are agreements with the devil. I don't need to pray for my enemies. I don't need to forgive. 
I don't, need to, I don't need to trust God for miracles in my life and expect miracles. I don't need to fast. I don't need to pray for hours on end. Just say a little, you know, hey, dear God, you know, I, I need a miracle. I'm losing my house, so hook me up. Amen. That's, that, that, that's not going to work. And all those are satanic agreements. And the reason the church in America, and we're, we're, I don't even say worldwide because in other countries it's blowing up. I was talking to a guy the other day about a church that has a million people, 12,000 campuses. We can't fathom that. Another church in, 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 in Nigeria, one million seats in the sanctuary. We can't fathom that. And God's like, that's nothing for me. That's nothing for me. We are so blinded because we live in a country that's so anti-God that if we could just go to church and pray that Jesus comes back. Listen, I want Jesus to come back, but we got work to do before he comes back. And unless we say, Lord, I'm going to tear up all these agreements that I made because I have come to believe. This is not me, but you, all of us, have come to believe some really... (laughs) have placed some really low expectations on my relationship with God. So I'm just going to barely squeak through and the devil's going to have us on a little chain because he's got us all bottled up with all these contractual agreements. We can't can't walk and make any decisions without saying, hey devil, what do you think? Now you will never say those words. But that's exactly what it means. You've come to agree that Someone told you you're ugly and you believe them. That's an agreement. Someone told you you were dumb and you believe them. That's an agreement. Someone said God would never bless you even if you pray with a miracle. You believe them. Someone told you you didn't have to read a whole lot of the Bible, just something. And God will bless you immensely and you believe them. Someone said you don't need to bring your Bible to church. Someone said if you have more sex, you're going to be more fulfilled. And you believe them. Someone told you you could watch pornography when nobody can see you and therefore it won't hurt anybody and you believe them. Real quick, because I have a whole sermon on this. I'm not going to tell you the whole sermon, but I'm going to tell you a minute worth just to freak you out. When you watch pornography, and by the way, one in every other, every other man and one in every six women in church watch pornography and the day they watch pornography the most is Sunday, today. And when you watch pornography, your brain is having sex with multiple women and multiple people. And your brain is trying to process that information because your brain doesn't know any different. And it is, it is physically, neurologically rewired and, it, it, and to inhibit your ability to be intimate with one person, which is why what we were designed for. That's why the God said a man and a woman shall become one. And you don't know that. Because it's just an emotional thing for you. Because the devil told you it's not hurting anybody. But what he didn't tell you, it has ruined your ability to have a relationship with, a, with, a, with one person. And every time you see someone, you sexualize them in your mind. You are warped. And, you, and it takes therapy or whatever, God to transform your mind to reverse that, that poison that, he, that, he, uh, uh, that, that, that pornography did in your life. And what the devil's telling you is that, hey, don't worry about it. Me and you are good. God lied to you. He told you it was bad. I'm telling you it's good. And you said, devil, I agree with you. That's an agreement. And I can go on and on and on. And only the Holy Spirit can reveal in your life. And by the way, God will reveal it as much as you can handle. Only the Holy Spirit can reveal in your life the agreements that you have. But only you can say, I want to break those agreements. Because if you don't break them, they will enslave you and bring you down. Can I get amen? Come on now. 
Agreements give Satan legal authority over your life. It's one thing to have power, it's another thing to have authority. Power is the ability to do something, authority is the permission to do it. The devil can squish you, but he has the power to do that, but he doesn't have the authority unless you give it to him. Look what the Bible says. This is a scary, scary passage to me. 1 Corinthians 5, 15, 5, 1 to 5. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. This is Paul talking to a church. Such sexual immorality in the church that is not even named about the people outside the church, that y'all are more freaky than the non-Christians. That a man is with his father's wife. What? And you are puffed up and have rather mourned that he who has done this deed might have been taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent in the body, but present in the spirit, have authority, have already judged him as though he has done this deed. In the name of the Lord Jesus, when you have gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus, deliver to such a one to the devil for the destruction of his flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus." Give him over to the devil. You know that, that, that the devil, when you say to the devil, I want to do things your way, you are saying to the devil, I give you authority over that area of my life. When I was doing cocaine, I was saying to cocaine, cocaine, I am trusting you to please me, not God. When I was having sex, blah, blah, blah. God, before I was married, before I was saved, just to clarify. <laughs> He just said this in church. I, know he, I knew he was creeping. <laughs> I was saying to that, I trust you and all that activity and all that pleasure instead of God. If you're, if you're chasing money, I trust money instead of God. And so what, whatever you're trusting, whatever you're relying on, you are given legal authority to do whatever it does to your life. You made an agreement. Not only did you make an agreement, you're bound by the agreement and subjected to the power of the agreement. I don't need to go to church. Okay, so you just told devil, I don't need to go to church. I stay home and watch football instead. So I'm giving the power, I'm giving my spiritual life over to football, sports, going to the beach, whatever it is you do instead of God. Doing this is better then obeying God. Number four, and lastly, satanic agreements can only be broken in the name of Jesus. You can't willpower this stuff away. You're not strong enough. It's spiritual. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. They're spiritual. And so we're going to declare something over you. You're going to declare something over yourself, and you're going to access as made in the image of God, you're going to access the power and authority that Jesus Christ secured on the cross in the resurrection. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus has all authority over every principality. Look what it says in, in Colossians 2, 9, for in Christ, all fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head of every power and Authority. Here's what we're getting ready to do. In Jesus' name, you're going to take your contract. This is what, at least this is my prayer for you, and that you would do this. But you can't do it, you can't do it with your fingers. I'm doing it with my hands. Yeah, you can go ahead and clap. We're getting ready to do this, okay?
But you have to be honest with yourself. Because the devil's going to say, isn't that kind of extreme, Luis? You know, you're really a nice lady, and you, know, you really don't have a, who's this guy I think he is coming here from the rock church? He needs to go back out there. This is just kind of extreme. You may be perfect, but you didn't ever talk to the devil in your life. I don't know what he's talking about. That's exactly what the devil wants you to think. Because the devil's never going to come to you and say, I'm going to destroy your life. Let's rebel against God. Ah, no, no, no. The devil's going to be like, hey, girl, what's your name? How you doing? You look good. He don't need to be treating you like that. I could really treat you good. You're like, yeah, you're beautiful. You know that? Yeah. You smell good. Yeah. Your hair is new. Yeah. That's the devil. Hey, come buy this car. You can afford it. Just put it on the credit card. Yeah. That's what credit cards are for. I had a friend of mine, his wife, she, she, every, if there was a check in the checkbook, she figured there was money in the bank. She literally said that. We're going we're gonna to declare something over ourselves. And here's on before I do it. I'm going I'm to have the band come out here in a minute. Um, it is a declaration, one, to surrender your life to Christ. It is a declaration to break all agreements with the devil. But you have to believe that it's needed. And we're going to pray it and declare it to God and surrender ourselves to God. Are y'all following what I'm saying? So I'm going to ask all y'all to stand up. And we're going to declare this. Now, if you don't want to declare it, don't say anything. But if you want to declare it, let me tell you something. Your life's going to change. Because we want you to walk out of here free, acknowledging. Now, you're going to have to go home and do some work. Dear Lord, I, I got to stop doing this. I got to get rid of this, this website. I got to get rid of these relationships. I got to get rid of this stuff in my refrigerator, this stuff in my closet. You're going to have to do some work. I can't talk to these people anymore. I can't watch these websites anymore. You got to do the work. But first here, we are breaking the agreement that that stuff is, is, has authority over your life, that that stuff is needed in your life. You have to come to agreement that I don't need that anymore. If you don't do that, we're just, we're just doing church. Just wasting time. And so when we, we declare this, we're, we're talking to our Savior who created us in his image to have a relationship with us, to, be his, to reflect his glory on this earth. Can I get an amen? Okay, so we're going to say this out loud. And every sentence, we're going to take a deep breath in and we're going to declare it. Every sentence, we're going to take a deep breath in and we're going to declare it. We're not going to be like, oh, Jesus, I love you and I'm just surrendering my life to you and I'm going to be. No, 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 no. We're going to declare it. Are y'all following what I'm saying? Uh, uh, one more story before I do it. Now, I think football is the greatest sport in the world for a lot of reasons. We're not going to argue that because I don't want to go down that road distract you. However, here's one of the reasons why. A guy my size, 190, 200 pounds, would get hit by two guys, 300 pounds each. 600 pounds hitting 200 pounds. Three to one ratio with the violence of a car accident without an airbag. He would get up from that accident. And by the way, it is extremely, extremely violent. And he would go back to the huddle and say, give me the ball again. For real. And, and after he got hit, those guys were, yeah, we got you, we got you. That, that ain't nothing, that ain't nothing. And then go back and do that for two hours. Honest to God, true. It's amazing. That's how you got to be with the devil. He going to punch you in the mouth. We had a pastor leave. He started the church. One of our pastors, he went, so I said, the devil's going to punch you in the mouth. He's going to punch you in the mouth. You get back up. It's going to happen. It's gonna happen. Now, basketball, you touch a dude like that, he wants two free shots. <laughs> we football, can I get an amen? Yeah. Amen. 
So when we say this, we're like, look, I've been beat down. I've been hit. My life, I've, I've had mess in my life. All of us have, have had mess in your life. If you've had mess in your life, say amen. amen. It's just how it is. But we're going to fight back by, by surrendering to Jesus Christ. So when we see this, every sentence, we're going to take a deep breath in and we're going to declare it. Ready? Here we go. Here we go. We're going to start where it says in Jesus' name. Are y'all ready? Can y'all read that? Very good. One, two, three. Deep breath in. In Jesus' name, I voluntarily declare that Jesus is Lord of all. I declare that Jesus died and rose from the dead, defeating the power of Satan and disarming all evil principalities and powers. Shout this with me. I declare, Matthew 28, 18, that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. I surrender all authority in my life to Jesus and declare that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I exercise the power of Jesus' name over all evil influences in my life. I repent and break all agreements and contracts with the devil. I release myself of all guilt and shame related to my satanic agreements. You are forgiven, by the way. Come on. You are forgiven. Come on. In Jesus' name, I break the power of evil spirits involved in my life. Satan, in Jesus' name, I command you out of my life. Jesus, I ask that you fill me with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I invite you to take over my life. Holy Spirit, I ask that you empower me, transform me, use me. In Jesus' name, I declare that I am free. Come on, church. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.